Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome along to the Slacktivist Action Group. For those of you who don't know what Slacktivism is, it's got a bad press at the moment, the idea that people just click on things that they support and then they forget all about them. Slacktivist Action Group, the idea, we do a little bit more. We click on something, we then turn up, we then have a drink, and then we forget all about it. So, the Olympics healed the nation. No more arguments about immigration. We had loads of medalists. But, of course, a lot of those medalists were immigrants or children of immigrants. We don't want people sneaking into Britain on a dinghy unless they can paddle it freaking quickly. (laughs) Then we'll have them. We don't want those people from Cali. We'll build a wall around them. But if they can pole vote over that, no problems at all. Now, the government have said, haven't they, that they are going to take children from Syria, from the refugee camps there. They're not going to take the ones who've already made it to Calais. But you're thinking, swimming to Turkey, walking to Calais, running to get on the Eurostar. It's got triathlete written all over it. (laughs) Theresa May has also said that the high-speed rail link will be going ahead. £50 billion to enable us to get from Birmingham to London 20 minutes quicker. Now, I have no confidence that we won't get to London 20 minutes quicker, but then be stuck just outside London for 20 minutes waiting for a platform to become available and then due to signalling problems, just as we get going, seeing the slow train from Birmingham chugging past us. We have the most expensive trains in Europe. I did some research. This was only last week. A single off-peak to Glasgow by train is £134. You can fly to Barcelona for 40 quid. No wonder there is climate change. If you've got a meeting in Glasgow, it's cheaper to fly yourself out to Barcelona and then fly yourself from Barcelona to Glasgow. Or perhaps even better still, fly yourself out to Barcelona and whoever you're meeting in Glasgow, fly them out to Barcelona as well. Now, David Cameron, he said if he lost the referendum... I won't resign as Prime Minister. He did. He then, when he resigned as Prime Minister, said he wouldn't resign as an MP. He has. He said he didn't get any benefit from his father's use of tax havens. And he did. 
On the plus side, he says he won't disappear from public life. So he will. <laughs> We've also had this week, haven't we? We've had talk about the boundary changes. They're going to try and reduce the number of MPs down to 50 to save us money. But we have 800 in the House of Lords, the largest legislative chamber outside of China, and each of those lords costs us £100,000 a year. In the United States of America, their upper chamber has 100 members. Basically, there's two for each state. How about we have 99 counties in the United Kingdom, we have one elected lord for each of those counties and the winner of Bake Off each year. (laughs) Whilst you ponder that, would you please welcome to the stage our three guests this evening, Tim Lawton MP, Julia Hartley Brewer, and Simon Evans. So often to make ourselves feel better, we we like to talk to our guests at the top just to uh, get them to tell us a little bit about themselves, to make us feel better about ourselves. So Simon, if you'd like to kick off, if you can tell the group something that maybe you're slightly slack about that we can then empathise with. Well, when you you gave me some warning of that question, and I've been pondering it today, and there's no question in my mind, the thing that I am too slack about is focus. I fail to focus, I fail to remain focused on any one thing for any period of time. And whenever I have the responsibility of looking after my children, which I had this weekend, my wife had a rare self-indulgent weekend at some sort of printmaking course, and the thing that drove me mad... It's self-indulgent, It's very it? self-indulgent, totally non-profitable. Working. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that was what drove me mad about them. They couldn't remain focused on any one thing for any period of time, and I, and I realised that this was a family trait which I passed on to them, and so now either group family suicide or some sort of uh, retroactive therapy is in order. But so they, they couldn't focus, but no. you couldn't focus on I looking could, after I was them. focused. I managed to remain focused on their inability to focus. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, what about you? I want to be a bit more slack about not being slack about pretty much anything. My, my husband says, you know, my ability to have a row in a room on my own, in the dark, with no-one else there, knows no bounds. I on the, it's, it's a roughly... Seven-minute walk to the tube from my home in the morning, and I can have at least three rows on the way. No problem at all. Cyclist on the... Yeah, we know each other, Tim. Cyclist on the pavement, someone letting their dog poo somewhere. Anything. Do you, do you anything. in fact, live only a minute from the tube, but it actually takes you seven <laughs> yeah, minutes? Yeah, exactly. It takes me hours sometimes. No, I, would li- I would like to be someone who could, you know, lie in a bubble bath and a glass and put some candles out and just go and relax but that would annoy me yeah these candles are rubbish the yeah. temperature's not yeah, right exactly. this bath isn't big exactly. enough exactly I'm, n- I'm not relaxed enough <laughs> no, I've, I've never been very good at relaxation I, I would say when I was in labour all 74 hours they didn't take me seriously uh, no harder for my husband I had a bed and drugs he didn't have either. He found the three days awake very, very hard. I was just busy proposing to anyone who'd give me an epidural. Um, but no, but I, I, um, I, I, did, I did the telegraph crossword in between contractions because I just I needed something to do. And they went, well, she's not having proper contractions. I'm two minutes apart! Give me drugs! Crossword took 74 hours? or <laughs> I'm not very good at crosswords. <laughs> <laughs> Those contractions can't be easy. <laughs> And what about you, Tim? What would you like to offer to the group? I would like to be less slack about uh, split infinitives. Curse of the devil. 
in, in terms of you go on Twitter and you take people up if they've split their infinitive or... Absolutely. It's a disgrace. I mean, the standard of education <laughs> in this country today... But they're not, they're not grammatically infinitive. incorrect. Split infinitive has no, been proven not. to be... It's an, an, it's, no, 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 it's not. a syllogism. There's no English they, law which says... The, it's in Latin. It does not transcribe from the Latin. The... the, the the law which says you must not split a Latin infinitive because I'm, it's not possible... I'm sorry, I lost yep. focus there. Sir. It's, it's, it's not a grammatical law. What, According to Fowler, who what, surely you can what, have no yes, greater it authority... What a thing thing that we, it's we, kicked we, we, off already. Shakespeare, Shakespeare split infinitives. So there we go. Infinitives, yeah. he did You split. should not split an infinitive. It should be a capital offence. Maybe, maybe okay. we should all be a little slacker about what other people are slack about. No, How about Far too tolerant. What sort of madness is that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's let move on to more substantial yeah. matters, perhaps. Tim, the idea is to try and get people on to talk about their passions. You were children's minister, and on your current newsletter, I noticed that... Uh, what? You've been reading my I have, newsletter? I have been reading... Someone reads you ought to get up more. Yeah, bloody hell. So I've not been at all slack on this one. You were encouraging your constituents to read the latest report from the Joseph Rowntree Foundation. Very important. And, I mean, I say I read it, it was 356 pages long. So I skimmed it and enjoyed a couple of the graphs. But <laughs> one of the graphs was on child poverty. And I noticed that under Labour, from the financial crash in 2007 down to 2010, child poverty had gone down. But under David Cameron... Uh, 2010 to 2016, child poverty had in fact gone up. No, you had now, it up the wrong way around. Uh, well, I, I, I assure you I didn't. But David Cameron... It's, Cam- relative, it's relative poverty and absolute poverty you're talking about then. Right. Well, David Cameron said, judge me uh, when I leave office on how the poorest in society have done. Yeah, he's history. Yes. I don't think he planned to be leaving office quite this no. soon. No. No, well, he, well, he was hoping to sort of muck up child poverty at the moment, but then come good at the end and then judge me on this. And your point is... <laughs> yeah. No, but the, prob- the problem with relative poverty is it, the definition is it's people who earn less than 60% of the median income. So yeah. basically, if everyone in the country was a billionaire yeah. and then there were a few people who were True. millionaires, they would still count as being in poverty. It's always nice to read a report and then have somebody explain what you read in the report. But is Rowntree's agenda still to try and shift fruit pastilles? Is that the, old, <laughs> is that the underlying... I think they shifted so many... Fruit- how can children be expected to spend their pocket money in adequate amounts every weekend if they haven't even got a colour television. I think they shifted so many pastels they decided to set up a foundation to do other things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, we love the kids so much. The 19th All their century. teeth have fallen out. No, 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 we love the children. Roundtree should look to their own house first. Yeah. Distributing <laughs> gooey versions of sucrose in different colours is no way to win over my... Heart when it comes to children's welfare, they're saying exactly how they're going to dish out more sweets. Yeah, they're always they about do good in Quakers, the, the sweet industry. Look at Cadbury and Kellogg as well, they were a bunch of nutters. <laughs> well, Tim, Roundtree <laughs> Foundation, no doubt they set up some village without pubs at some point as well. <laughs> how long is this focus going to get in the last spot? <laughs> Tim, you were um, you to Andrea Ledson's campaign manager. Oh, we're moving swiftly on. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, I thought people I weren't just, necessarily... Just like the campaign did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, achieved second place, achieved second place. Bloody Beat right. Michael Gove, didn't you? That he was, was saying the, that, that people had had enough of experts, but people we, had also we, had enough of Michael Gove, didn't they? We saved the country from nine weeks of Michael Gove, boring us senseless. You so also saved, that's, that's saved us from nine weeks of Andrea Ledson by caving in after well, three days. Would have been more <laughs> useful. Well, if you could have saved us from nine weeks of Michael Gove prior to the Brexit referendum. Yeah, nine rather. years, yeah, yeah, true. 
Yes, no, it was a great campaign, a fantastic campaign. We Excellent. had a great march, and she had a great, uh, a great, a great march few that, days. that you were hoping she would be on, and then she, she didn't the even attend your own you. march. No, she was great. Great candidate, came from nowhere to get, what did she get, 66 votes? Came from nowhere, and she stayed there. Stayed there. And there's, yeah. <laughs> But, She's a lovely, lovely But girl. we should offer you congratulations. You are now acting chair of the Home Affairs Select Committee. Big time, big yeah, time. That's right. The unfortunate demise of 1K Vaz that's has right. propelled me to this uh, position. Indeed. Yes. Well, you know, it seems self-inflicted. Both political careers end in disappointment, but his at least ended in a climax. Cla- so I suppose that's... A- <laughs> <laughs> two, two climaxes, well, if you what I... <laughs> But yes, he, doesn't, he wasn't quite select enough about his home affairs, it seems. The, the, the question I'm sure the selective selection group would like to know, did he ever offer to fix your washing machine, Tim? No, he didn't. No, no. But he did his research. You know, that's what it was all about. We did a report on prostitution and a report on drugs. So nobody can say that he didn't do his research for it. <laughs> no, he wasn't a hypocrite either, was he? He was no. pro-poppers, to be fair. Absolutely. He, he didn't try and stop anyone else enjoying no, them. No, I mean... And he took us around the red light district of Copenhagen as well. Well, I I just like, do you remember when he was meeting uh, Eastern Europeans, Romanians and Bulgarians at the airport? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It turns out he was just uh, looking for future prospects. (laughs) As you say, it wasn't wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, it's important to do your research. Crispin Blunt with Poppers, he he spoke up when they were talking about banning Poppers, saying that uh, he used them, the MP. He Um, buys them up the road as well. Is that right? I, I, was, I was unaware of exactly where, where he does buy them. But he was saying that, wasn't he, for anal sex, you know, there are some health benefits. That's what they're for, Well, because it, it relaxes your anus, Tim. Oh, that, is, right. that is... That is I, I tried that, one uh, during a, um, an experiment in, when I was about 17. <laughs> a solo experiment, I should say. But um, I'd heard this rumour and somehow, I can't remember, was at a party or something, somebody gave me one and I went into the lavatory and, uh, and tried it myself. And all I can remember was the most immediate pounding headache I've ever experienced in my life and it's but, been, I've never again you, but a very relaxed bottom yeah. did you have a <laughs> you covered in ribbons yeah. did, the Joseph Roundtree, <laughs> did the Joseph Roundtree <laughs> just do a report on that as well I know I, well I could write a chapter or two for them but yeah I, I, maybe you get used to it or something Tim points out though that about the ribbons though there was an MP when they were talking yeah. about banning poppers mm. actually mistook with the poppers they were talking about the and thought they were cannon. talking yeah. they were talking about <laughs> tubs of party streamers <laughs> you know they hadn't done their research yeah someone's eye out. Well, it's certainly not <laughs> going to relax your anus, that is it. <laughs> but That but, echoing pop. <laughs> well, I guess, though, you know, at the climax, <laughs> though, if the person you're having anal sex with lets off a party popper, <laughs> it'd be quite a nice touch, though, wouldn't it? Do you mind if we celebrate the Queen's Jubilee? <laughs> 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 Followed by a round of happy birthday. Yeah. You should do this at the next Home Affairs Select Committee meeting. I think so. Meeting. We will. We have, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're only acting. You've only got it for, like, acting. a very short, short Another period of time. Another few weeks. So I've got yeah. to make my mark somehow. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we obviously, we're in a new, new Theresa May government. We don't know too much about what the government's... Got. One of the few things that they have actually given us some details on is grammar schools, mm. um, which she hasn't just said, Theresa May, she hasn't just gone as she, grammar schools means grammar schools, and then we just <laughs> leave it at that. She said a little poppers bit more. Poppers mean poppers. That's it. So for this, we know. She said that it's uh, grammar schools. It's not a binary system. But surely if mm. there are grammar schools and not grammar schools, mm. that would seem like a binary system. Mm, no, but there are other not-not grammar schools too, so there's all sorts of But not, not in anybody's schools. area. The, if you, in a particular area, certainly, part of where I grew up, 
it was either a grammar school or not a grammar school, well, a binary system. Well, you're right. It's a very brave decision, Prime Minister. But um, <laughs> we, um, we haven't got any grammar schools around where, where I have, um, live, so um, we quite like some grammar schools, please. I mean, there's 163 grammar schools. 99% of them are rated outstanding or good. So they must be doing something right. Imagine so why a grammar school that's not rated outstanding or good. Well, what are exactly. they doing wrong? Yeah, the one. <laughs> yeah. mm. But I mean, well, like, what they do is in that respect so they unearth them? an unfortunate and uh, an, an unwelcome truth about humanity, don't they? That, that, that it's the, it's the children who are the problem, not the schools. Because once you stream out the problem, children suddenly the grammar schools are rated wonderful, good, no, highly it's successful. Parent, you know. It's the parents at the problem. It's, we all know that. It's the fuel, isn't it? It's the fuel. That's the thing. Well, let, let's, let's... It's what I mean, is the parents or the children, it's, it's the families that play into the schools well, yeah. that make all the difference. The yeah, teachers have a limited effect, just like moment. MPs have we a have limited effect on the country. They we have, have selection by postcode at the... Uh, well, we don't the just moment. have that. We have a bizarre system where we allow our children to be selected for schools based on their parents' religious faith or pretense of it, rather than on a child's mm. academic ability. That's insane in the 21st century. Talk about insanity. One of the things that Theresa May said in the same speech, that... Uh, religious selection wasn't working the religiously selective mm. schools 50% she said it wasn't providing enough diversity so at that point instead of providing more diversity she was saying it that it's not working yeah. we'll go from 50% up to 100% you can be 100% religiously selective so there's absolutely no diversity at all if you're trying to be more diverse that doesn't seem very clever does it? Well as I said I think it's a very brave decision Prime Minister no. <laughs> so, um, so ter- that, the I think that one I think that may have a bit of a, a, bit of a problem right but I think grammar schools, why not? There's 5% of kids at grammar school at the moment. Let's have more grammar schools, more academies, more comprehensive, whatever. A mixture, and you, you pay your money, but, you take your choice, but or you don't you pay mean, You can't money. just say have more grammar schools, have more academies, have more comprehensive, whatever. That just means more schools. Well, we well you need, need more, more schools. schools. Well, that would be population. fine, but that's obviously, that's obviously nobody's going to argue with more schools, well, are they? You the can't. Okay. You don't have to send your kids to a grammar Absolutely. school. Absolutely. No, My guess is, with their attention span, they probably wouldn't get in. No. Well, they're, they're <laughs> an independent school, as it happens, so they wouldn't get in, no, because we pay okay. for it. But this, <laughs> but this is it. Oh, I, I'm so fed up. As some, I went to a comp, and um, my parents are both working-class parents who went to grammar schools. I am so fed up. Every time I see someone on the TV talking about how terrible grammar schools are, the very first thing I do is Wikipedia them. Oh, what a surprise. Almost without exception. They went to private school, they went yep. to grammar school themselves. Well, Jeremy, because they recognised that, that, that those advantages got them, the, got them a platform in public life. Because what? having good education still does give you great advantages yeah, so in life. It doesn't mean that those people who had great advantages, it doesn't, that's the whole point. You're trying to do that. No, I'm not. The whole point about having advantages in public life is that, or having advantages in education that give you advantages in life, is that you should make them available to everybody and not limit them to those They are available to everyone. Instead of having to be the right faith or having money, um, you you, you make those those schools. I'm very happy for those schools to start out only in the poorest areas and not even be available to middle class families. The reality is, do you, well, look, we just seen the Olympic team do amazingly well. Hmm. Do you resent the fact that you're not in the Olympic team because you're not a great I'm assuming we're not neither of us are in the Olympic team I can't believe I'm you're assuming. reframing the question as to no, whether no, or not I no, am I know it is relevant I, I don't resent the fact I'm not in the Olympic team I don't resent the fact that I don't train with them I don't resent the fact that I'm not in you know the London Symphony Orchestra because I can't play a musical instrument so why do we resent the fact that the children who are academically bright a particular kind of intelligence not the only kind that they should get the academic education that suits them I think it's such a nonsense in this country we are so obsessed well, let me, let me, let me no, wade in, in, in right. here at the moment. Right, yeah. Julia says very rarely do people from comprehensives actually uh, 
you know, in terms of I went to a comprehensive and I went to a state grammar school, and out of the two of them, actually I much preferred the comprehensive on the grounds that we got the best of both worlds at the comprehensive because we had streaming. So you actually had the brightest kids of any one subject within the comprehensive moved into the same class. So if you improved, you didn't actually... So why did you go to both? Well, because I moved moved from one... One was a comprehensive area and one was a straight grammar school area. So, but the, the point would be is that you look at the grammar schools that we have at the moment, and actually this isn't a leg up for the poorer kids. No, but of course not, because we only have a few. Because we've hardly got any. And they're if all in places like Kent and Buckinghamshire. But, but on some accounts, 70% of the country are middle class. If you, if you, in terms of not being able to stuff the country in the grammar schools with what middle class think, kids. What do you think middle do class kids? Well, no, they you... are all about this, this crazy concept of mediocrity. And the worst thing governments have ever done is to assume that just because a kid comes from a less well-off yeah. background from a council estate, then he or she is doomed not to succeed. That is a scandal. And that's gone on for too many generations. And grammar schools, but you, amongst others, and t- give people the Supported by the evidence. Everybody no, knows no, no, this. No, you can't no, just keep saying All the evidence is either from the 1950s or exactly. evidence from now, when we, have, when we only have you know, 130 or 160 or whatever it is. But, but surely all the evidence is dismissed by you, in other words. Surely that is relevant, good evidence. Despite the fact that it is evidence. By it, definition, in an area where they only have a few you know, grammar schools, in it, like Kent or, or, or other, or other areas, yeah. where, where people... Where, people move, I know people who've moved But it's 25% of the population. That is what allowed into grammar schools in any given area. So the leg up... 75% won't. The academically bright kids will get an academic education. What we need to do is actually, actually bring in the 1944 Education Act that was never enacted. We, had, we were supposed to have a tripartite system, which is what the Germans did. Of course, it hasn't worked for them having technical schools at all, has it? We should have the technical <laughs> schools that we were promised so the yep. bright, technical, practical kids can get their education. But let's all stop the pretense that every single child can get... Well, answer my question. Answer my question about the comprehensives. You've got the streaming, so you've got the best of both worlds. You've got the... No, grand- you haven't. You no, have. No, it's predicated down to the bottom. At my, compre- what, at my comprehensive... It's not, you look at the results of comprehensive that have been streaming. The top ones that would have gone to the grammar school get very similar results to the grammar school. It's only overall that they don't. And you look at it, it's a leg up, not for the poor, is it? It's basically a good saving for middle-class parents. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's right. So let's, have, let's have grammar schools only for kids on pupil premium, for example, as one as one option. But that would won't you happen. But my point is, if you've got seventy percent of, um, of people are middle class, you'll basically get you won't get the poor would kids you, going there over time. You'll you, get middle class parents would you taking support it over. Them? Would you support them if they had to have at least fifty percent or even a hundred percent of kids who would qualify for people premium? Well, my point is, why no, would you would, would you support them? Grammar would you, schools. Would you, I, I would think you it's support? a divisive education. No, would you, answer the question. It's terrible, well, isn't it? Bloody politician. <laughs> would you yes. support more grammar schools? If they only, uh, if they had to admit at least fifty percent, or maybe a hundred percent, whatever kids well, who qualify for pupil premium, i.e., those kids who come from poorer backgrounds or kids in care or whatever, would you support them then? I think it would all no, depend. Yes or no? Yes why, or no? Why not? It, yes, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being held by the Slacktivist Action Group on we this. We segregate by wealth already. Yeah. But, but my... do, do, do you think that the school that Tony Blair's kids went to or the school that David Cameron's kids go to or are Michael remotely Gaze. the same or as Michael the that you or I went to? I don't think so. Your argument is totally ad hominem. No, no, but give up for a minute. The point is... <laughs> 
the point is, does the system work? Is the system fair? Not no. are the people who are arguing for a certain way to proceed hypocrites because they send their kids to good schools. People have to live in the real world they find themselves in. When they have children and they have children that they want to do well, they play the system to the best of their ability while trying to reform it. You cannot say to people, don't try and reform the system while your children are enjoying a private education or nobody who ever has any privilege which enables them to have a platform in the first place will ever be able to speak out against the iniquities no, of the system no, they no, rose no, through. No, no, and that is the flaw no, in all point, your arguments. No, no, the you cannot you continue to identify you, the hypocrisy no. of people who want something better for the whole cake no, country no, no, just no. because their kids you have got it. You're denying it to all the children whose parents aren't well enough to find the no, right I'm not. Yes, you are. I'm you're not. saying that those kids... Tough. Whether you're this middle- isn't what grammar schools do. And also, we can know we that. stop attacking middle class people? My parents are middle class, and I'm middle class because my parents were bright working class kids who did well and worked hard. I don't think we should have this, this, this shame of being middle class. No this shame in it. In there's country. no shame in it. There's what no shame wrong? in a comprehensive school. What is school wrong either. if all the kids who I get went in to a comprehensive school I got good results. It's easy enough. This is easily the most emotional we've ever gotten in this activist action group. We haven't even talked about Brexit implications yet. It's all. It's all going to start. It's very emotive. School is emotive because you're talking about moulding young people when they're still vulnerable and you're making decisions on their behalf. It is. And it's also always anecdotal because everyone had an experience. I went to a school that had been a grammar school until the year before I went there and then it became a comprehensive school and it changed quite dramatically while I was there and I could see it was changing. Were you part of that? So we all went to comprehensive schools apart from Andy. You went to a grammar school. I also went to a comprehensive and I believe that uh, in terms of sixth form college I believe Julia went to a slightly different place as well is that right? I went to a state sixth form college which was a formerly a grammar school wasn't it? It was it was many many years before I got there it was not it was not sele- it had no selective entry at all when I was there so what, what was the point you're going to make? <laughs> well the, the, the point I was I was going to make was the new plans they're saying oh you're not going to be judged to failure at 11 right because there's going to be there's going to be a chance well you are you, you, no, no, come on not. look this place so, this if you have an 11 whole... plus but their point is they're saying is now you're not going to be judged a failure because you can have another entry at no, look, 14 look, 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 wait, look. and you can have entry at 16. So there's a chance that you're going to be judged a failure at 11, not, at 14 this, and at 16. This all, come, this all comes down to this apartheid that is in education. That we've, we've had a system up to now where either you go to university or your second best. And we had this crazy system where we wanted to get 50% of all kids going to university as if that is the only thing they should aspire to. That's nonsense. Actually, a load of kids do a lot better uh, than kids who go to university if they had apprenticeships, they did vocational courses or whatever. And yet they're made to feel second-class citizens because they didn't make it to education. It's each to his own. Some people will be appropriate to go to university, some people it won't. What we don't want is a stupid system they have like in, in France where 56 people go to university and half of them drop up half of the way... Uh, but through. one of the things that was being suggested is that there's going to be extra kids... Uh, extra places for poorer kids. But would you want to be one of those kids who've got extra places? Here come the extra place kids. Not only are they poor, but they're also thick. Would you want to be one of those people? Why are you assuming that poorer kids are automatically thick? That is what is being proposed. Why are you you suggesting that if you come from a poorer background, you're automatically thick? That's the problem, isn't it? You are writing off a whole generation of social class of people just because they don't come from your middle class background. 25%. If you're picking the top 25% academically and then you're putting extra poor kids in, you're taking them from somewhere other than the top. 
top 25%. Would you want to be that kid that had been taken there? So you're admitting what? that before kids could get in just as equally? I mean, come on. Look, there, there must be a way. It cannot, look, it cannot look be at the beyond the wit of man we... to come up with some selective system, whether it's over a period of years, in lots of different methods, where you actually get rid of... You, you don't allow the parents to skew it with the children. How about the if the selective system took place within, let's say, a school which was comprehensively offering education to everyone and then allowed them to be streamed? I've spent the last 20 years as a political journalist writing about this, reading all these bloody reports on this stuff. There is simply no evidence at all uh, of, of a system in this country of it happening in 2016 or 2017. All the evidence is from the 1950s or mm, in a situation true. now where we have a tiny minority... But what schools. evidence and then do you have that the, it's going to be so much better? Germany. Germany had a tripartite system with the grammar school, technical and the comprehensive and, and, and the secondary modern. And then for many years they had the most successful education in Western Europe. Then they stopped it. They went to a comprehensive system. In 2003-2004 the they had the uh, PISA studies. They showed they were plummeting down the uh, education system. True. They reintroduced selective education. We like to follow the Germans on lots of other things, don't we? They're pretty good at this education. We, we haven't liked to follow them that much recently, have we? <laughs> it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Simon, you have been doing a wonderful series on Radio 4 um, involving economics. Brexit is proving quite exciting in terms of the economic implications. It, it seems that uh, we have two years once we trigger Article 50, but for those two years, we're still a member of the EU, so we can't conclude any trade deals. As it gets to the end of those two years, it's going to get fairly frantic, isn't it? There's going to be some pro-plus being taken when that two years is just coming up. I like the idea that you presented me as somebody who's presented some sort of comedy economic shows who has any idea how this would work. I mean, everyone is in completely open water here. I, all I can say is that I suspect the real politique of it will emerge in hindsight, but nobody knows what they're, what they're going to be spending those two years doing going forward. I would imagine that a lot of nods and winks will take place. Uh, I, I tend to experience utter panic when any kind of major decision like this, an upheaval and unexpected change of course takes place on that morning that I woke up and turned on the TV and there it was, you know, UK votes to leave 
EU, I felt, I felt panic. I, felt, I, I hadn't expected it, but I'd expressed ambivalence beforehand, and then when confronted with it, I thought, oh, no, 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 I was only joking. You know, I, had, I didn't vote for it, but I didn't think it would be a disaster. But now we're in this phony war situation. Nobody knows what's going to happen, and I, I think there's an awful lot of posturing on both sides. But particularly, it does kind of annoy me when I see a lot of people, I suppose, in the Remain camp or on the left, broadly speaking, every time a German or any kind of Eurocrat basically gives an opinion as to whether or not the city will be allowed to maintain its passports or whatever, they kind of, you see, you see, you fools, you've ruined everything. And I think, come on, we've, we're in this situation now. We have to all kind of get behind our team basically this is you know this is how it works we have to we have to demonstrate that we are united in this position and that we want to make this thing work going forward and i suspect that most people who are terrified of the future even now have underestimated the degree of of the uk's economic and political might in the world because we do tend to do that it's one of our most adorable well, features we tend to think we're minnows and we're not minnows we're we're the equal of anything else you know and the eu is is a far from stable structure as it stands and and there you know there is an awful lot of pressure from european industry that they have their channels of export open uh, remain open with us so i don't think we necessarily need to panic but how it will pan out my well, david God, it's davis has so said that we need to be nimble and certainly one of the things you wouldn't describe Boris Johnson is nimble, is it? We've I don't all... think Boris Johnson will be playing any significant part in the series. He is going to be very much a sort of front of house, you know, MC. Uh, but think Peter Kay at the Royal Variety Show and then, and then you will occasionally, the curtains will go back and you'll get a glimpse of what's actually going on and then the curtains will close again. Well, I mean, obviously the, the French are very good at slowing negotiations down if it's in their interest to do so. You, yeah. you only had to be stuck at Dover yeah, over, yeah. over the summer to realise how good the French are at slowing things down. You well, can imagine that... to break for lunch. Well, that's it. I mean, you can imagine the three Brexiteers turning up with their thousand document, thousand page document ready to be ratified or whatever, and there's just one French bloke in a kiosk with one stamp and turns the first page. <laughs> bang. It is funny, though, isn't it, when once you remove yourself from the EU and you start to see them slightly more clearly as distinct nations, and you think that is the French approach, of course, and industrial action for them is, like, is their first port of call in any kind of dispute, whereas the Germans are such a very different animal, and it, it makes you realise that you're not really negotiating with a single bloc at all. You're negotiating with a you know, you can either see that as an advantage or you can see, my God, thank God we're out of it because this was never a unified creation or, or, or process at all. There's a debate at the moment, though, isn't there, whether we should have hard Brexit or, or soft Brexit. Um, it seems that Boris Johnson's very keen to have something in between, a sort of semi-tumescent Brexit, if you will. Um, it's flaccid. It's flaccid. Brexit, yes. Yeah. What, what, uh, Tim, what is, what is your uh, position on this? I, I really can't get um, worked up about this. I voted for Brexit. I campaigned for Brexit. We're going to have Brexit. We've waited 43 years for it. Waiting a few more months to get our ducks in a row properly is no big deal. Now, obviously, I'm not one of these people who expect uh, us to give us this whole idea that we should tell everybody what we're doing whilst we're doing it. It doesn't seem to me terribly sensible. But at the same time, this idea that we think we can have freedom of movement and we can remain in the single market... We're not going to have freedom of movement. That's, that was one of the whole points of it. And we're not going to remain in the single market. That's part of the problem. Well, let me quote... EU. You say that, Tim, but let me quote your <laughs> own newsletter me. back at you, in which case, Tim. <laughs> As we conduct our negotiations, it must be a priority to regain more control of the numbers of people who come here yeah. from Europe, but also to allow British companies to trade with the single market in goods and services. Yes. Trade with. Trade with, yes. Yes. Well, and that's whilst we're doing negotiations as well. Look, this whole thing about the single market, 
three quarters of the economy of the EU is in services. How much of that is actually cross-border? Less than a fifth. So actually the single market, which was invented back in the 1980s, in services, financial services, everything else that goes with it, has actually been a complete non-event. So why are we getting worked up about this? London, London, the city of London, will remain the preeminent capital of financial services in the world. The next nearest in Europe is Frankfurt, which rates at number 18 or something like that. London is consistently first. European banks will stay in London because that is the place to be. So all this crap about all passporting and all this sort of stuff, it's a complete red herring. And when, when they calm down, I think we're, we're getting into a calmer phase now, all this knee-jerk reaction about, oh, we're going to be really bastards to you British because the way you, you voted. At the end of the day, Europe has a trade surplus with the UK of £70 billion. So it's actually in their interest, as well as us, to have an amicable divorce and sort it out going forward. They're not that stupid. No, no, I... You can only shoot yourself in the foot But obviously, in the sense that time is not on our side, everybody talking about the Canadian deal, it's taken seven years. they weren't in the Yeah, why? Why why have they taken seven years? Because they haven't negotiated with 28 countries. Well, so do we. That's the whole point. We have to negotiate, don't we? Because every single... Well, there's 180 other countries. But we have to negotiate with them as well, because at the moment... And one of us, one of us does. That's the problem. The EU has just taken nine years to negotiate a trade deal with India. Quite an important country and it's just collapsed. One in 12 people living on this planet is an Indian under the age of 28, and we haven't got a trade deal with them. They're the sort of people we need to be doing business with, and outside of the EU, we can actually get on and do it, and they're desperate to do trade deals with us. It will never happen if we've got a panda to 27 others and the lowest common denominator, and that's what Brexit's going to be all about. I've just been in Mexico... Everybody we saw in Mexico wants to know when they can do a trade deal with us. Another G20 country, China, Australia, (laughs) New Zealand, all want to do trade deals with us, which we can't do in the EU. Well, I I just... It's the whole idea that two years and that Liam Fox, David Davis and Boris Johnson are going to complete all these negotiations within the two years just seems frankly fanciful to me. I'm admiring your confidence, Why, how do we know? Nobody's ever done it before. Boris Johnson negotiates with his wife quite successfully, and any man who could manage to get away with that... He, he has um, negotiated, be quite but only so well that he got kicked out several times and then was allowed back in meekly. Yeah, well, now, I can't imagine that's going to be a good analogy with Europe. I, but um, I, I have a funny feeling that, that at least one of those three men will resign from office at some point. Well, Liam 20, Fox will probably resign because he's got nothing to do for two years in the sense that he can't actually conclude any deals, is he? So he's just got to go around having lunches. He was slagging off all British businessmen for being You've done this. this. Which agency are you with now? I'm off the curb. Off the curb, like me, right? When we did, you have an agency before off the curb, or were, you, were they your first yes. agents? No, they, yeah, they're about me my too. When you, you're not allowed to go to another agent and say, "I want to sign with you," I'm fed up of X. We're not supposed I was to. with X. No, you're not supposed to. <laughs> you do, don't you? Exactly. That's what I did. I was with Duncan Hayes. I said to him, "Listen, I'm, um, uh, you know, you're, he, he looks after Ricky Gervais, and it was becoming a one-man operation. So I said to him, I, "I want to move on," and he explained to me the terms that I wasn't allowed to approach anybody else, and so that was. You know, you have to go and have a quiet, quiet lunches incognito. This kind of thing is going to go on. You know, don't kid yourself. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, 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 I'm not, uh, I'm well, not denying the, that we aren't going to have a nudge and a wink. Ready, uh, just whether we, we're going to have it sufficient nudges and winks over the next two years to. Uh, we can to have get... unofficial negotiations, unofficial yeah. talk. And we sign on the David Davis has after. a reputation when he negotiated in Europe in the past. He was known as Monsieur Non by the Europeans. Now they have supposedly appointed a French hardliner 
to, to leave. Monsieur Non, Non, Non. Well, that's it. <laughs> monsieur Jamais or Monsieur Impossible yeah. may well be meeting Monsieur, monsieur Non. Yeah. As long as it's not Juncker, that's the main thing. Mm. He's probably too long a lunch. We'll go very shortly. I'm sure the, the audience have got questions. Before we do that, let's tell everybody about the, the shows that we've got coming up, the Slacktivist Action Group. The next one we have on October the 30th. We have Vince Cable here, we have Russell Howard, and we also have, from The Guardian, Hadley Freeman. On November the 28th, last Monday of the month, we have got Henning Vane, we've also got Chuka Amuna, and we've got Fleet Street Fox. And then for December the 19th, we've got Dr Sarah Wollaston, we've got Michael White from The Guardian, and we have... A TV star who can yet be named, uh, but uh, we'll hopefully be able to tell you at the next one. So uh, all of that to look forward to. If there's anybody listening on the podcast, please um, get in contact if you want to have any questions to ask, andyparsons.co.uk. So, hands up for anybody who would like to ask a question. Tell us your name and ask us your question. Uh, hi there, my name's Keith. The question is around about passporting. I mean, clearly you're very strong in the idea that we won't lose it, but what happens if we do lose it? Well, the situation at the moment, those people who are most worried are European governments whose major banks have got most of their operations in London because they are all of a sudden, after Brexit, not going to be regulated by those European countries. So they are going to have to buy into British regulation, which is actually the best in uh, Europe of uh, financial services, not the other way around. I, I predict that there will be hardly any, if any, major European banks who will re um, headquartered their major operations out of, uh, out of London. People come to London because London is the financial capital of the world. All the facilities, all the services that go with it are in London and other parts of the, uh, of, of the UK. So it's the, the places we compete with are not Frankfurt, Paris, they are Singapore, Tokyo and New York. It is worth saying, I think, even though I have a bit more scepticism than Tim, it is worth saying there has been no example in the world ever of of a, a major financial centre just being deserted overnight or even over the course of a well, day. They take a long time it did to happen build in, did happen Germany. It did no. happen in, uh, in New York. But what's more likely to drive well, people out of Europe is a Tobin tax. So without the break that the UK has put on all these crazy taxes some of the EU want to impose on financial services um, companies, if they then start to bring those things in, they'll be heading for the doors of everybody else coming to London who's not here already as well. well some of us might quite like a few more taxes on the banks. Well, it's not taxes on the banks, it's taxes on the, um, on the transactions. And mm. that goes Happy to the consumers. Yeah. Well, let's, um, we can do that. Let's, uh, let's go over to here for our second question. Yes, please. Hi, how are you? I'm Kim. Uh, so just had a quick question. I think it's great that you, know, you guys have great views on hard Brexit and the magic that's going to happen. But my confusion is this. So you say that, you know, that there's going to be informal negotiations, but the EU has specifically stated that there will be no informal negotiations until Article 50 is triggered. Um, therefore, you will not even have any guidelines on how to do that. So where is your information coming from on trade deals as well, as Australia is the only one who says that they'll do a trade deal with the UK before the EU? And America specifically stated that there's no way that's happening. I'm just not sure that Jean-Claude Juncker is in a position to know exactly what yeah. any member, any representative of the British government is doing or saying or lunching with at any one time, I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, it, it, of course there are going to be informal talks. The informal talks they're happen going on all already. the time. Whenever you watch these big political summits, you know, the, 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 the actually, when you have all these politicians sitting around a table having the dinners, that's not where any of the decisions are made. Yeah. Or everything goes on in the back room. So it's, it's all going on 
already. I've just, I've just been in Washington, and everybody there wants to talk about Brexit and what the opportunities are going to be um, uh, after, after that. They don't see it as a bad thing, despite having rolled out President Obama to tell us all it's going to be the end of the world if we voted for Brexit. I mean, the, only thing, the only thing I would say is that you can't trust what they say, nor can you trust what Tim says, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just how life is. That's, that's what politics Absolutely. is like. And, and afterwards, you go, oh, they were talking. Okay, I see. And that's what happened. But it's true. I mean, to exactly the same extent that, you know, Juncker's or, or whatever, the EU will say, well, you can't do this, and there's no movement on that. And then Tim, of course, will sit here and say, don't worry, it's already started. Well, they both just talk. It's just talk. It's cheap. Nobody's ever going to hold anyone to account for it. Well, I, think, the, we should, I think we should, when two years after Article 50 has been triggered, yeah. let us invite Tim <laughs> back on the panel, and uh, we will quote back to him his confidence about passporting yeah. and everything else, and uh, we will see what happens. So, who else has got a question? Do you mind if I change the subject? Not at all. Thank God. <laughs> I found it very, very depressing, all the subjects we've talked about tonight. Uh. So let's talk about the American election. <laughs> oh. Who are you going to be uh, rooting for in the debate, and what advice would you give to the candidates? Julia, would you like to kick oh, that off? Hillary Clinton all the way. Oh. She's not the most attractive candidate, and I did kind of hope that the first female leader of the free world wouldn't be the wife of a former uh, leader of the free world, but call me old-fashioned. But, uh, no, I mean, uh, hands down, I mean, I would be a Democrat anyway, not a Republican, but hands down, Hillary, uh, my only advice, I mean, to her would be just... Oh, just try and try and look like you're a nice person. Because she she, she knows cough. the fact. We know she knows the policy. We know she knows the facts. My big worry is she's going to come out with all the facts, all the policies, and then and Donald Trump is just going to say something so outrageous. That's all mm. we're going to talk about, and we'll forget. But the thing about Donald Trump is he, he renames everything after himself, doesn't he? So if he did ever become like the president, it'd be like <laughs> he'd live in Trump House, Trump, in Trump <laughs> DC, in the United Trumps of Trumponia or whatever it is. Well, well what was really extraordinary was you see that uh, tweet sent out by Donald J. Trump Jr., his son, about the Skittles and comparing uh, you know, Syrian immigrants to Skittles. And, and genuinely, I, it's the fact that Donald Trump has managed to actually create another human being that's more awful than him. That's quite an achievement. Well, he's a, he's a complete narcissist. And this idea that we, we're going to have a special relationship with America, we couldn't have a special relationship with Donald Trump because he's already in a special relationship with himself. himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've just been in the States and Mexico and... There is, there is a very real feeling in the States that Trump could uh, win. If you watch all the news channels and everything and the opinion polls, and some of the people going to backwater places, speaking to people who have always voted Democrat or have never voted at all, and they're all saying, oh, Donald Trump is right, we've got to stand up for America. Well, you know, it's, complete it's, virtually, could, it's the Brexit win. campaign that will have done it for them. That's what's <laughs> given them the confidence, rubbish, because the polls rubbish. were roughly where they are they don't even, for Brexit. They've never heard of it. They, they can't but spell the, Brexit, let me know what it stands well, for, for God's sake. The New York Times certainly has heard of it. No, there was New a, there, York, there, then, I, the, the I don't think people voting for Trump read the New York Times. No, they can't. I'm no fan of Hillary, but I'm afraid she is the only uh, alternative. But we, the, we then, on this trip, we then went on to Mexico, and we went to the, the Mexican Parliament, and they've got contra-Trump posters all over the Mexican Parliament. God, they hate him with their vengeance, well, quite rightly too. Interesting, that the, this idea that he was going to build this wall on the Mexican border, wasn't it? Hey, and he's good at building walls. Well, apparently at the wall. moment, there's, there's actually net migration of Mexicans away. Way. Basically, building the wall would actually be keeping Mexicans in America. <laughs> they have got all the major US companies are, are investing in plants across the border uh, from Texas in Chihuahua um, province and that's, that's well, where the, everybody's going. The country that's going to need the wall is Canada when everyone tries to flee across yeah, the border. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. For those people who are listening on the podcast, please subscribe. It does manage to uh, help keep the show free for everybody. So if you're listening, one click. Do it now. 
do it now. We'll wait for you. <laughs> OK, well done. Thank you very much for that. Please spread the word of the Selectivist Action Group. Our motto, if a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, we are lethal. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> so we'll be producing mugs with that on it. We have hopefully had an interesting debate today. Feel free. We always like to give people things to do, to go away and do during the time. So go and research grammar schools in Germany or maybe go on Tim's website and check out a 356-page report <laughs> on the Joseph Roundtree Foundation and see if it mentions pastels anywhere <laughs> amongst that. We obviously we don't quite know uh, what the future holds as we, as we are here. We're not quite sure. Change is a difficult thing for, for anybody, and particularly for human beings, maybe as they get older it's a little bit harder. But anybody finds change hard, don't they? And as an example, when I put money into vending machines, I don't tend to do it in stations, because I've put money into vending machines in stations for a long time. And I've often lost money, so now I don't tend to do it. But now, often you go into a station and you see people putting money into the vending machines and getting out exactly what they wanted. And there's always a little bit of me when I see that that thinks, that's not the Britain I remember. <laughs> but please, ladies and gentlemen, would you give it up for our three guests tonight? Tim Lawton, MP, Julia Hardy-Gorla and Simon Evans. Thank you very much. Good night and good luck. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.